You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I am your host, Damon Martin, and today with UFC 267 right around the corner this Saturday from Abu Dhabi, had to go big or go home. And uh, you don't get much bigger than the man who will co-host my show today, and that is the reigning, defending UFC bantamweight champion of the world, Mr. Aljamain Sterling. Aljo, how are you? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, six big fights on the main card on Saturday. Of course, you got a very vested interest in one of those fights in particular. We'll get to that in a minute. But Aljo, let me first start off asking how you're doing. I know you're back in New York. Uh, I know you've been training, but how is the neck? How are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, just to clarify, I know a lot of people thought I was injured. I'm not injured. I, I don't know how many times I can say those exact words that <laughs> I'm not injured. I had a major neck surgery that just needed more time in order for all the neurological stuff to get to where it's supposed to be. And uh, it didn't happen fast enough in six months. Obviously, that makes sense. You know, it's a big procedure. And uh, it's something that I was dealing with for such a, su such a long time that once I finally got the problem taken care of, you know, you need time to, to recover and time to heal. Kind of like relearning for the nerves to kind of reconnect to all those muscles and do what they're supposed to do so that they start firing. And that's what people don't understand. It's a neurological thing. It's not a uh, physical thing where I look good. Like, you know, I, like in terms of the pictures, like you think that version of me would be ready to fight, but uh, I just wasn't ready, you know? So thankfully I'm feeling so much better now and uh, I'm excited to watch this fight this weekend and uh, get back out there to compete and see who I'm going to be competing against. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when we talked after you had the surgery, I think you told me originally November, December is what we were kind of targeting. And obviously it sounded like October's a little early. So uh, in terms of like, I, again, we got to wait for, you know, Peter Yan and, and, and uh, Corey Sandhagen to play out this weekend. But uh, early 2022, is that kind of what you're thinking in terms of like you'll be ready to go again? I think so. I think um, January, February, March, the latest. I, I really don't want to do anything later than that. Uh, my last two years, I've only been able to compete once per year, both because of surgeries. This one, um, the one before was uh, Sanhagen, and then uh, before that was – well, actually, I fought Jimmy Rivera, then I fought Pedro Munoz, and then I had a year-long break, and then I fought Corey Sanhagen, and then I had another year-long break, um, just waiting to see what was going to happen with the division before I fought PD on, and now I'm pretty much going to have another year-long break, you know, so – I'm getting I'm getting older, not younger, and I want to capitalize on my youth, man. I, w I would love to try to get three title fights in in a year, you know, so that means I would have to win the next one and uh, try to do three within a calendar year, which is a big feat. But I think it's if I can keep my body healthy, which I think now that I had this procedure taken care of, I think I could potentially do that. Because when, when I was younger, man, I, I never really got injured, and uh, I get that these injuries injuries throughout my career as a fighter and I kind of just prolong them just kind of ignoring them not doing the right thing and and making sure that they're taken care of before um I get to the fight and I kind of just tough it out because that's just the wrestling mentality and uh 
eventually you kind of run your body into the ground. So I'm doing the right things now so that I can keep the longevity and continue to compete um, for as long as I can and at the best optimal level that I can. Yeah, absolutely. I know you listen to your doctors now. I was kind of surprised when I heard some comments uh, from one particular doctor, uh, Doctor TJ Dillashaw. Uh, <laughs> I was shocked. I know. I know he got his. I know he got his medical license recently, and he was talking about. You know, I don't know if Aljo's ever going to fight again. I kind of jokingly called him that on another podcast. I called him Doctor Dillashaw. I was like, I'm sorry, Doctor Dillashaw, that I'm not following your advice, but I think Aljo's got actual physicians who are telling you that you're going to fight again, right? <laughs> Oh, 100%. Yeah, they and they've done this procedure multiple times with other high-level athletes. Um some guys in the UFC. Um I don't know if I can name names, but uh well, I mean, I think people know about this already. Alan Jobin is one of those guys. You know, he had a major neck surgery. He's a lot older than I am and he took to it very, very well and he competed a couple of times with that procedure afterwards, you know. So, it just takes time. Um Wyman's had the same procedure, a couple of other guys and uh even outside of this sport, the NFL and things like that. Well, actually, with the NFL, they've had fusions. They haven't actually done artificial disc replacement yet, but I'm in a good spot. I, I do believe that I've made some serious gains. Once I was able to take my foot off the gas from trying to do a hard, intensive training camp, people were saying, I thought your neck was hurt. Why are you sparring? I'm like, I was sparring the entire time trying to get to this fight so I could perform for you, monk, for you, for you. I don't even know what to call them. For the, I don't know, whatever. For these folks, I'm trying to <laughs> compete for them. I got to spar to see where I'm at. You know, that's how the sports works, you know? So if I'm trying to spar, I'm trying to do all these hard training sessions and I can't get through it, I have to do the right thing and make sure that I'm looking out for myself and making sure that I'm okay. So I get checked out. And exactly what I thought it was, just I just need more time. Yeah. And uh, it's not like Peter Yan, who pulled out of the fight for undisclosed reasons. It's not because he didn't have a visa, because his guy had his visa. It's not because anybody he had COVID, because he didn't have COVID. And it's not because of an injury, because I saw the guy working out and I messaged him on Instagram and he told me he really wants to fight with me. Aljo, I really want to fight with you, <laughs> but not now. We have to fight later. All right. But why? But why? <laughs> why are you pulling out of the fight? You know, so. It's uh, different circumstances. So hopefully, the I know the intelligent fans and the people who've actually competed before, they understand. And um, uh, the other ones who've never competed and they just like to talk. I, I just try to – I just entertain them the best way I know how, and that's just troll, troll them back, and that's really it. Yeah, it's funny. If you had a knee surgery, everyone knows what an ACL surgery, ACL replacement. You know, that's typically nine months to a year. We all know that. Yep. That's kind of like standard practice. And it's kind of funny. If you had an ACL injury, everyone say, oh, wow. Well, Aljo will be back in, you know, March of next year or whatever, because that's typical. It's just so weird that, like, because you're, it's your neck injury, suddenly we expect you to be back in five months or six months or whatever it is. It's just such a weird thing with this sport. Like, if it was a knee injury, everyone would be like, oh, wow, okay, a year. I totally understand that. Uh, but for some reason, your neck, you have to rush back which again is ridiculous so uh more important than anything man get your health back and because and again i know when we talked when you had the surgery you said the whole reason you're having the surgery is because you haven't been able to perform at your absolute best because you've been dealing with this since basically college or high school uh you know so you actually want to perform at your best that's why you had the surgery yeah it is what it is and uh i think the I think the other side, being on this side so far, so far so good, and I, I couldn't be happier with the decision I made. And uh, to wake up, sleep, stand, walk, and not have constant radiating pain down my neck, it's, it's life changing. You know, quality of life is so much higher, and uh, I can't believe I didn't do this sooner. If, yeah. if I'm being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Aljo, of course, we're going to get to the interim bantamweight title fight in a little bit, but let's talk about this entire main card, six-fight main card from Abu Dhabi. It's a it's a great card, and if you got ESPN Plus, it's it's free. I mean, it's not free because you're paying for ESPN Plus, but no pay-per-view price, which is pretty awesome. And it's a Saturday daytime card, which is pretty cool. I think the fight started like 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. here on the East Coast, so pretty awesome timing with that. Uh, but let's kick things off in the light heavyweight division. Uh, it's a six-fight main card, and we got a new uh, uh, fight coming up between Volk and Ozdemir. Of course, everyone knows Volkan, a former title contender, coming off a loss to Yuri Prohaska. No shame in losing to that guy. He's been a beast since coming to the UFC. He's taken on Magomed Ankalaev. And Aljo, I'll be honest, uh, when you look at the lay of the land of light heavyweight, you know, of course, we got the, the title fight, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, we got Yuri Prohaska as the number one contender. Guy's a monster. I think I look very much look forward to him fighting for the title. But I really look at this division, and I think Ankalaev might be the best prospect in the division right now. 
he's been a monster ever since he had that kind of upset loss to Paul Craig, which is a fight he was winning, and then he got tapped out at the last second of the third round. Uh, he's looked like a monster ever since then. So kind of give me your thoughts on this fight and, and who you're picking between Ankalaev and Ozdemir. Uh, man, this is a tough one, but I do think Ankalaev has gotten to a different point in his career, and I think he's... I think he's long gone all those days of him making those mistakes and uh, get himself trapped in submissions and getting tapped out at the very end of the of the fight, not even the round, the fight. Uh, so I, I do think this is his fight to win. Obviously, Ozemir is a veteran, but he's had some still tough, close fights. And I think in terms of a prospect, maybe a kid that's a little bit more, I don't want to say hungry, but seems like he has more of that uh, burning desire to to get to the top of the division. And I think he has all the skill sets and the tools in the world to do it. Uh, he's a scary guy and very, very dominant. We get to um, good positions. And I, 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 like, I like him in this fight, even though you can't count out uh, Mr. No Time, but... Of late, I just don't think uh, Ozdemir has been looking like the guy that we remember on his way up to the title shot. Yeah, it's funny because, and I, I know fighters hate hearing this, so I know this for a fact, but this is the reality. I think Ozdemir's kind of become that gatekeeper to that top five. Like, you know, if you beat him, you're legit. If you don't beat him, you're not quite ready. And I feel like this is that kind of measuring stick fight for Ankalaev. If he can beat Ozdemir, then we're talking about him fighting Anthony Smith and Alexander Rakic and those kind of guys. If he can't win this fight, then he kind of drops back into the conversation. But I like Ankalaev to win as well. I'm a big, big fan of his in terms of his style, his striking. Uh, I like Ankalaev to win this fight as well. But again, Ozdemir is no joke. He is a tough test. I mean, Anthony Smith had to go through him to get to a title shot. Yuri Prohaska, of course, went through him, and now it looks like he's going to get a title shot. So this is kind of a measuring stick fight for Ankalaev. If he can't win this, then we kind of know where he's at. Yeah, 100%. And um, and if Ozdemir wins this, we kind of see that he's still one of the the players at the division. And that's the one thing about being a gatekeeper, um, for whatever that actually means, uh, I think if you can beat and turn back those contenders, then you're still a player in that division and you could still have some light at the end of the tunnel in terms of maybe eventually fighting for a title again. So um, I wouldn't count Ozemir out, but I think Father Time is on Ankalaev's side and just his performances. I kind of tend to lean towards the size of uh, who's performing and what are they doing in terms of a technical standpoint. I think uh, Ankalaev is that, that newcomer that's going to really turn some heads for the rest of those guys in that division to, to pay attention to. Absolutely, I agree. Let's move on to the welterweight division, of course. Now, this is a big one. Uh, Li Jingliang taking on Hamzat Chimaev. Of course, Hamzat has been out for over a year. Talk about a guy whose career has gone in, like, completely two different directions. I mean, he came in, stormed in, three wins in a very short period of time, had the big knockout over Gerald Mearshart, which is a big win for him in middleweight, and then he kind of disappears. He, he's dealing with some injuries. He's dealing with COVID, long-term COVID, which ends up knocking him out of several fights, which would have been huge for him to fight Leon Edwards when you look at where Leon's at right now. Now he's coming back basically 13 months later. Uh, I talked to Li Jingliang over when he was doing his camp in China. He's a very big, physically strong welterweight. I think this is actually a really tough matchup in terms of what Kamzat Jemayev uh, brings into the fight. But, I mean, it's kind of weird. Jemayev was the talk of the town, you know, this time a year ago. And now... You know, it's been 13 months since he's fought. It's kind of weird because he had such a uh, it was such a weird, like, three fights in three months, whatever it was, two months, and then he's been gone for 11 months. It's a really weird when you're going into this fight. Yeah, I agree. I, I do think the thing about this matchup is you have to look at all those variables, but then you still look at the body of work that Chemayev had put in, and it's still super impressive. And you have to think that the time, if he was doing the right thing, and you would imagine that he was, that he probably – got better with the time because that's that's just what happens with most people they they typically get better they get smarter or they see newer things from watching fights analyzing fights and i would imagine that that's kind of left them hungry and, and trying to figure out other ways to stay involved outside of being able to compete so i, I think that's going to be something promising for us to see what's going to happen which kind of chamayev uh, shows up for this fight and with lee the leech he's a big dude strong guy but Shamayev did fight at 85. I mean, you, granted, you could say those guys at 85 weren't the biggest and weren't the, the most technical or strongest guys at that weight class, of course. But uh, there's something to be said that he can still compete. He has the, the agility. He has the quick twitch muscles. He can wrestle his ass off. 
And I think that's what's going to make this fight super intriguing because I don't know if Leach is that well-versed on the ground defensively that he can keep Chemayev off of him, and then he has to deal with the quick hands of Chemayev because you saw that right hand that he threw in uh, uh, Mershot. That was lightning fast, and it was very unorthodox because it looked like a straight punch, but it came out and then went down the middle. It's almost as if he baited him as he was coming down the middle, um, circling him and, and trying to cut him off. And he threw like a punch that looked like it was going to be a hook. And then at the, like maybe like the last second kind of pivoted and almost like a curveball came right down the pipe and caught Mershot right on the chin and pretty much put him out. Um, so I think that's what makes this fight very dangerous. I like the leash a lot, but uh, he's got big power. He looked good against Ponzinibbio. I just, um, I just, I have a hard time betting against a wrestler, especially a wrestler that can strike, you know, and um, he might, uh, uh, maybe COVID still plays a factor. Maybe it's still yeah. plays a fact that we just don't know. We just don't. There's just there's just too many unknowns to really make a a, a what would you call it a wise or intelligent bet because we don't know. I don't have that inside information. But if I have to say, if I have to pick somebody, I kind of go with um, the wrestler who's been very very dominant and kind of ragdolling guys, and that would be Chimaev. Yeah, I like Chimaev to win as well. But I tell you what. Yeah, that first round is going to be real telling. Does he come out and wrestle? Is he worried about his cardio, his conditioning, all those kind of things that play into the whole COVID factor? I think if he fights a smart fight and wrestles, I like Shemayev to win. But you, if he stands on the outside and he starts winging punches uh, with the leech, again, I think all bets are off at that point because, you know, Lee packs a serious punch. And he looked great in his last fight. He had that kind of a, you know that kind of off performance against Neil Magny, and there's no shame there. Neil Magny is as tough as they come. But outside of that, he's looked like a, a legit top ten, top fifteen welterweight. Uh, if you're asking me for like an upset pick, like a potential upset in this card, I'd probably pick this one because like you just don't know where Chimaev is at 13 months later dealing with COVID. But I'm with you. I think Chimaev wins. His wrestling is so dominant. If he looks like he did look before, I think he wins this fight going away. But uh, if you're asking me for like an upset pick I, I could see lee pulling this one out yeah for sure he's got all the tools to do it he's a big strong guy and i think if he could just keep him off of him for for a bit get him tired we might see maybe some stuff that we just don't know about which could mean that he probably still have some lingering effects that might not have cleared all the way up we had a guy in our gym uh, dennis bazooki it took a couple of fights and he fought when he like right after he had covid had a war because he just couldn't push the gas pedal then he fought on the contender series had a war because he couldn't push the gas pedal again and then he had another fight after that another war with a kid that he beat already and much more dominantly than this one and obviously every fight's different but because of those side effects you just don't know what you're gonna get and his last performance which was last night um not last night friday at the ring of combat decimated the guy in probably 30, 40 seconds. And that's the guy that we remember, the guy who's sharp, good endurance. I mean, obviously the fight didn't go long, but I, I think just because he had all those issues in the back of his mind, this is the first time he's actually felt good and felt like no COVID symptoms were actually bothering him or anything like that. So it, it, you just don't know. We really just don't know. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy, again, we got to remember, he almost he was talking about retirement because of what he was dealing with COVID. So you just don't yeah. know. So we're going to find out a lot, I think, in that first round, you know, how he how he adapts, how he comes out and fights, and how his conditioning is. And you know, as a wrestler, Aljo, you know, wrestlers, the wrestling is the most physically taxing, to me, the most physically taxing activity you could do. I mean, it is so, it just yeah. works your entire body. So we kind of assume he's going to be coming back because I'm sure he's been wrestling. But again, that's going to be the, the question we're going to have answered on Saturday. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, let's talk about the heavyweight fight. You know, there's some fights. It's, it's funny. I remember, I think it was when Clay Guida fought Jim Miller, and I was like, haven't these guys fought like four times already and they've never fought before? Uh, <laughs> in the heavyweight division, Alexander Volkov taking on Marcin Tibera. And these guys are, have both been around for a while. They fought, you know, a lot of the good heavyweights. And I was like, haven't these guys fought like two or three times? Uh, apparently not. Uh, but Alexander Volkov, of course, coming off a tough loss in his last fight. Uh, again, no shame in, in, in losing that fight that he lost. And of course, Marcin Tibera has been on a great run right now, a uh, very dominant run, a uh, big winning streak for him. This is an interesting matchup. Like, my head says Volkov is the better heavyweight fighter, and he's looked better, of course, the win over Overeem and some of the other things he's done, but got to give it to Tibera. He's really turned it around lately. He's picked up some big wins. Yeah, Tibera has looked really good of late. I forget who it was for his last one that he that he beat. Um, was it Walt Harris? Uh, 
Um, I can't remember, but he beat someone really good. Uh, and the way he did it was very impressive. And I think that kind of let everyone know that he's really a mainstay in this heavyweight division. With Volkov had a tough fight against Sirogan. Um, no shame in that. Gan is a freak at that weight class. You just don't see heavyweights that move like that, that can crack like that, and that technical. Um, so for him to lose to him, I, I, like you said, there's no shame in that. I think there's going to be a very competitive fight. The, the one thing you have to remember is the height advantage that Volkov brings to the, to the octagon. It's, it's insane. You don't see guys built like that. And he's like a mini Drago, but, you know, a real-life version, you know, that actually fights in the UFC. Um, this is going to be a tough fight. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Tybura's on the roll right now. He's feeling himself, but I just feel Volkov is still the guy, one of those guys at, at, at that weight class, and um, I think he gets it done. Yeah, Volkov to me is kind of like a little bit in the Ozdemir situation, but I think a little bit better off because when you think about some of the wins that Volkov has had, yeah, he's looked great in, in a lot of those fights. And again, when you think about the ones he's lost, you know, they haven't been bad losses in terms of like who he's losing to. Like, there's no shame in losing to Cyril Gaon and going five rounds with him. I mean, the guy, Cyril Gaon's a killer, went five strong rounds with him. Uh, no shame in losing that fight. And I feel like, you know, if you're going to be a, a top five heavyweight, you're going to have to go through a guy like Volkov. And I think Tiberius looked great lately, but I just, I have a hard time picking him this fight. I think Volkov still beats. You know, I, I don't know if he'll ever beat Ngannou. I can't say that he'll beat a Miocic or or even a Gan as as we saw in his last fight. But I think he's going to beat pretty much everybody else, and 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 that's why I think Volkov wins this fight. I don't know if he'll I don't know if he'll get a knockout or not, but I think he wins. Yeah, and I I think the skill set and the, the just the height advantage. I think he's going to have the better striking. I mean, Tabor. I don't know if he's really a wrestler to to kind of get him down, take like the Curtis Blades approach. It's a big man that's going to be standing across the cage from him, you know? So uh, I, I like Volkov in this one for sure. Yeah. Now, in the lightweight division, one of the most intriguing fights on this entire card, a guy that everyone has been buzzing about, is Islam Makachev. Great win streak. Of course, everyone knows him as kind of Khabib Nurmagomedov's prodigy, uh, kind of taking up the torch, so to speak, for the Khabib since he's retired. And he's taking on Dan Hooker, who takes this fight on short notice after getting a big win over Nazrat Hakparast. Of course, everyone knows Dan's travel insanity, you know, traveling to fight week, getting there on Thursday morning or Thursday afternoon, actually, cutting weight fighting you know, cutting weight making weight on friday and fighting on saturday and actually having a a really strong performance showed off his ground game a little bit more uh, and that's bouncing back from two straight losses to michael chandler and dustin Poirier. and again no shame in losing to those guys islam of course has been on an incredible run uh beating everybody and dominantly lately you know beating guys like tiago moises and, and some of the other guys he's fought uh, in terms of uh in terms of his career uh, you know, Aljo, I got to be honest, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, listen, my head says Makachev. He's the wrestler. He's been so dominant. Hooker's taking the fight on short notice. But I think in a way, this is actually, you know, this is Makachev's. I mean, I think Javier Dos Anjos would have been that as well. But this is really his first big step up into that top 10, if you ask me. And I think this is kind of the, the proving ground, so to speak, for Makachev. Yeah, and it's possibly like you were saying one of those gatekeeper fights as well <laughs> but um because i feel like the guys who have beaten hooker have gotten to that next level in terms of poirier um michael chandler and getting that 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 title shot you know because hooker is held in that such a he's held in that high regard you know um i do think this is a big one for makachev i i just feel I don't know if Hooker's going to be able to keep him off of him. I don't know if he's going to use the approach that he used against Michael Chandler, which was backing up and trying to just hold the range and being against the cage. I think if he takes that approach, it's not going to be good for him because I think Makachev is going to do a good job of pressing him against the cage, taking him down. And Makachev can crack. You know, he hits pretty, pretty damn hard, you know. So uh, he's not a small guy. And uh, I think this is probably why I could be retired, to give him an opportunity to – um, to win the belt and to uh, become champ as well, you know. So uh, I think that was kind of their plan, possibly. But just from the skill set, I mean, Dan Hooker is good. The one thing that I will say is I, I didn't like in that fight with Nasrath is I felt like when he got touched um, hard, of course, that he didn't eat the shots the way he used to, if that makes sense, where there was a little bit more of um, a give 
and in the way he handled those shots uh where before he was kind of like kind of like the terminator where he would just kind of walk through those shots and you know he was known as the tough guy even when he fought ally quinta and that was one of the things they talked about i was like i think he's just really tough i don't think he's more technical than me and then for the one fight he comes out and fights technical was against i quinta you know so um we know he's smart we know he could be a technician but a guy who's actively trying to put him down i think that's what's going to make things a little bit more challenging and how good did Dan Hooker's wrestling get over that short amount of time? I don't know if it's enough time to make that adjustment for a high-level fight like that. But if there's no risk, there's no reward, you know? So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dan Hooker can land one of those step-in knees. Those are – he's put a lot of guys out with that. But I just find, I just think this is a tall task for him. And uh, I think Makachev is – I think he's going to continue the surgeons. Yeah, it's funny because when you look at Dan Hooker, the, the knees are a big factor. He's so tall and arranged with those knees. But the problem is, in my opinion, is that Makachev wrestles very much like Khabib, which is he's not shooting double legs. He's a guy who puts you against the cage and kind of mauls you and takes you down from there. So he's not taking as much as a risk shooting from the outside where Dan can land those knees. And I think that's what you know bodes well for Makachev is that he fights very much like, like Khabib. He's not Khabib, but he fights very much like Khabib. And Khabib was never the double leg guy. He never went out there and just shot double legs and took you down. He would put you against the cage, grind you, and then put you down from there and close the distance. And I think that takes away some of Dan Hooker's biggest weapons in this fight with his range and his distance and his knees. And I don't think Makachev's the guy who's going to be shooting from far out trying to get a double leg, which is where you could see those knees playing a big factor, you know, get his stuff and, and throw the knees from there or just throwing a knee as he's coming in. I don't think Makachev's that kind of wrestler. So I think that actually bodes very well for Makachev. And like I said, Makachev might be the guy, man. I got to be honest. Like when you look at the lay of the land of lightweight, I mean, of course, we got Dustin Poirier about to fight Charles Oliveira. You know, we got Justin Gaethje fighting Michael Chandler. But all the hype around Makachev to me is very real. I think this is a guy who could be champion. If he keeps running the way he's running, uh, I think within a year we could be talking about Islam Makachev as a as a title contender at worst or potentially a champion. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think it's a good fight for him and a good opportunity. And, uh, I, I, man, I like Hooker a lot, man. I think he's a tough dude. I love the way he made that um, that turnaround with that last fight. He looked great with the wrestling and everything else. But the way these guys wrestle, it's Sambo, it's Judo, and MMA wrestling is not your traditional wrestling type of style, you know, and I think that's what makes it a little bit problematic. Um, guys that can keep that pressure, keep that pace for the duration of the fight for 15 minutes or more. And I think that's what makes uh, Makachev such a dangerous opponent. Um, if he can't get get off those weapons and keep the range and use those calf kicks and, and use those, those step-in knees. I mean, he did catch Hooker going backwards. I think, not Hooker, um, uh, Jim Miller, I think, going backwards against the cage. I think it was either him or Gilbert Burns. So he's he's taking out some tough dudes, man, over his career and this is a good this is a good fight. It's going to be a fun fight to watch and I think it's going to answer a lot of questions and hopefully it's not a quick one. We we need to have some uh legitimate questions answered for for Makachev. And I think I think we're going to get it. I think Hooker's going to is going to bring a fight and he's going to make it a very very competitive one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh all right, let's talk about the one that you will have a very, very close eye on, and that is the interim bantamweight title fight between Peter Yan and Corey Sanhagen. Let me ask real quick first, Aljo, you know, I know you've kind of talked about this before. Did you did you have an issue with them making an interim title with you with you being out for a little while longer? Like it didn't seem like that bothered you too much. You're still the champion and you know you're just gonna end up fighting the winner of this fight. And I think, and this is not a knock on Peter Yon or Corey Sandhagen in any way, shape, or form, but I know the UFC has a contractual obligation to give Abu Dhabi so many title fights per year. Uh, and I feel like that might have played a small factor in why we're getting an interim title fight. No offense whatsoever to what's going on here. But uh, it didn't seem like that really bothered you a whole lot when, when they announced the interim title fights. No, no, it didn't bother me at all. I think it makes for a bigger fight. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to be out longer than a year, but I'm going to be out for just about a year. So for them to keep the division moving, I mean, we had this situation before with Dominic Cruz when, you know, he was hurt and he was out for almost four years, I feel like, or three and a half and then got hurt again and took more time. But they kept the belt for him and, you know, they were, that was his guy. They made the interim, you know, Burrell won the interim title over Faber and uh, kept the division moving before they actually made Brow the undisputed um, inaugural champion. So 
it's just one of those situations, man. It's it's a difficult one, but it doesn't bother me. I think it makes for a bigger fight. I think people are going to look at whoever wins that belt as the actual champion. If it's Sanhagen and I beat him last year, for people to to kind of discredit what I did, it would just be an insult. Um, and that's how f- fickle some of the fans can be. You know, they kind of forget what you do other than what has happened lately kind of thing, you know. So um, I'm not worried about it. I, I think I match up well with either one of those guys. I still believe that fight with PDN was, wasn't myself. Uh, just a shell of myself in comparison to everything I've done and just the way I fight in general, you know. So um, this is going to be a good one. But, yeah, to answer the question, interim, t- interim title doesn't bother me at all, and I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, – the winner of this one yeah and i'm glad in a weird way i'm glad it's five rounds because i think you gotta have that kind of fight the stakes gotta be high enough because the winner's gonna go on and move and fight fight you for the title so i think a five-round fight kind of makes sense here of course you've been in there with both guys now Corey sanhagen you made very quick work of the fight lasted two minutes or less than two minutes so i know it's weird to say but it's actually probably harder for you to gauge sanhagen considering how quickly that fight went versus peter yan where you actually spent you know, the better part of four rounds with him but i gotta be honest i think stylistically I think Sandhagen creates a lot of problems for Peter Yan. I thought Corey beat TJ Dillashaw. No offense to TJ. I'm not trying to take a shot at him. I joked about him being Dr. Dillashaw earlier, but in all seriousness, I think I think Corey won that fight. I, it's nothing against TJ, but I thought Corey had much better offense in that fight, did a lot more damage. Uh, I just think Corey you know, sat back a little bit too much, and I think that kind of hurt him, but I think Corey won that fight, so I think this actually makes a lot of sense. And I think Corey does present a lot of interesting problems for Yan, especially on on the feet oh 100 that's what i said um when i was when i was talking about the just this matchup in general i just think this is the first time we're going to see jan actually take on a guy within the top five and um not a guy coming off of a loss for a title shot you know for a title fight you know um outside of me but again like I feel like anyone who puts a lot of stock in that in the fight that I had with him is just they just don't know the sport or they just don't know how I actually compete in the past. So um, I think you kind of got to look at it from a different set of lens. I do think Sanhagen gives him a ton of trouble on the feet. And I think that's what is going to make this very, very difficult because Jan kind of stands stands there, kind of plots forward and he's just looking for that big shot. Hopefully he can catch you. And it's one of those things where a guy like myself, a guy like St. Hagen, a guy like Dillshaw, anyone that has any type of real footwork, he's going to have a real hard time with those guys just trying to find them. And St. Hagen's real tall. He's real rangy. You watch the fight with him and Marlon. Marlon couldn't touch him. He's throwing kicks, swinging and missing, just looked like he was at the, the batting cage and just couldn't find connection at all. You know, that's what it looked like. And that's what St. Hagen does. He's, he's that good. And that's why I had to put the pressure on him the way I did because if I give that guy space, that's a dangerous, dangerous fight. And I knew that going in. And the same way I know the rematch is going to be very, very dangerous. But I know if I could do the same thing, which is get my hands connected on that man, I'm taking him out again. And I do believe I could do the same thing to Peter Yan and anybody else in this division. Um, but this is this is going to be a fun fight for the fans. I think it's going to be fairly uh, – a stand-up matchup. I wouldn't be surprised if Jan gets touched up a little bit that he looks to try to go to the wrestling. Because, again, he's that dangerous from the outside. He's not like he has a ton of power, but he has fight-ending techniques, flying knees, spinning elbows, um, those those front kicks that he uses, and uh, even that, that head kick that he uses and the wheel kick that he uses. You know, there's, he's got dangerous weapons where it's not like uh, Jan where he's throwing these combinations and he's falling into his punches in order to get a lot more punching power behind it. You know, so it's two completely different styles, but I like what St. Hagen does, and I think that's what's gonna get him to win. And if you ask me who I rather fight, I would rather fight Petey Yan because San Hagen is that dangerous in my opinion. And people might think, oh, you steamrolled him. I'm like, like, dude, that was a calculation calculated fight to the T. Because if I was off even a split second. I could have been on my back and I could have been the guy who's taking a nap looking at the lights. And that's a realistic reality. That's a, that's a reality that I knew going into that fight. And I had to make sure I was on point. And I think Frank Yeager tried to do the same thing, but it's just, it's different. You know, um, he, he did a good job of cutting an angle. Frankie stepped in and didn't even really level change. And here goes Sanhagen, Air Jordan, makes a <laughs> connection. 
and takes him out, you know? So that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a very dangerous fight, and I know I got my hands full with whoever I'm fighting next. Yeah, it's funny. The one thing I will say about Peter Yan, you know, he's he's very good. I mean, there's not, you know, this is not me insulting the guy in any way, shape, or form, but I think the one problem that Peter Yan has shown, and you know, he has an incredible chin, but he gets hit. I mean, we saw it in the Jimmy Rivera fight. You, you, I mean, that first round when you were fighting him, you lit him up. You had you 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 had a lot of strikes landed early in that fight, and 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 you look at you know even the the Aldo fight. Aldo cracked him with some leg kicks. You had him, and and I think that's the problem is he does get hit. He will allow himself to get hit a lot. He's kind of like the guy who will take a punch to give a punch. Uh, and I don't think you can play that game with Corey Sanhagen. I think Sanhagen's a guy who is so creative and has such big, like, you know, flashy knockout power, the, the jumping knees, the flying knees, the big kicks. Uh, you know, I think Jan, if he plays that game, I'll trade you a punch for a punch. That's just a that's just a losing combination against a guy like Corey Sanhagen. Like, when you're like, I'm going to throw my best punch, you throw your best punch, and whoever lands first is going to win. And don't get me wrong, I think Jan is very, very good. But I think playing that game with a guy like Sanhagen is like playing with dynamite, man. You lit the fuse, and he's got to get out of the way. And I just don't think that's a winning combination. And I like Corey Sanhagen to win this fight. I think he's I think he's on point. Uh, I, I think he beat Dillashaw. And, and, you know, if you listen to Corey talk, he said he's been training ever since. He was preparing just in case he did get a chance to fight. I've talked to Corey about this before. I know he's kind of a guy who who always stays ready for a moment, so I don't think he's in this in like a totally short notice situation. Uh, and I think stylistically, he creates a lot of problems for Jan. So I, I like Corey Sanhagen to win this fight as well. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying Jan can't win. I, I do think he's a tough, durable dude. He's got really good defense um, with his striking. You know, that, that high shell, high guard, whatever you want to call it. Um, but again, leaving yourself to be open and being plotting, like such a plotting style, while a guy is dynamic and has the cardio to do that for five rounds, that's a, that's a problem. So I, I don't know what he's going to use. I'm telling you, people are going to say he's going to tr- – I guarantee he's going to try to take him down. If it gets if it gets touched up a bit, he's going to try to take him down. He's going to try to do what I did, and he's going to realize that that shit was not easy. <laughs> I, think, I think the fans are going to realize, like, okay, Aljo maybe was on to something when he was saying what he was saying. And that's just – I'm just calling it how I see it. I don't try to take any digs at anybody that's not deserved, and I'm not trying to take any credit away from anybody. I know what I got in front of me. I know how skilled both of these men are. It's going to be a great fight, and this is why I think this division is one of the best, if not the best. Yeah, I agree. You and Corey, you know, part two, there, there's a great storyline, of course, considering how quickly you beat him. It was such a dominant performance. You choked him out in under two minutes, whatever it was, coming back and defending your title, and that would be a great storyline. But is there a part of you that feels like, even if you end up fighting Corey next year and it ends up being that fight and you, and you unify the titles that way, do you feel like at some point in your career you're going to have to see Peter Yan again? I know you want that. Like you said, in, in terms of what you want, you want Peter Yan, but realistically, I think Corey Sandhagen wins this fight. Oh, 100%. But I, I told the matchmakers already, like, we're going to fight again. We have to fight again. <laughs> There's no way that that could that story could end the way it did. It has to there has to be an ending to this book. You know, we've got to end have the season finale. That's the way I kind of look at it. And uh, I want to give the fans the fight that they should have gotten the first time where I'm actually feeling good and not coming in depleted, you know? So, uh I think once we could do that, we could figure it out and see who is who. And if he's better than me, he's better than me. But I really, truly feel in my body everything that that guy is not the better fighter. And um, I can't wait to prove it no matter what, whether it's for the title or not, um, contender fight. Uh, no matter what it is, we're we're gonna have to run it back at some point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, let's move on to the main event, of course. Jan Blahovich taking on Glover Teixeira. Uh, Glover's been on an incredible run right now, picking up big wins. Thiago Santos, Anthony Smith. Of course, we all know what Yanni Blacko does. The guy's a monster. He's looked great. Uh, so, you know, his last few fights, we been knocking out Corey Anderson, knocking out Dominic Reyes, uh, you know, beating Israel Adesanya, which is a very big deal. Of course, Israel was, you know, a lot of people had him kind of like the uncrowned light heavyweight champion, even though he had never fought at light heavyweight in the UFC. And, and Jan had a great fight against him. Smart game plan, took him down, used his size and his power. Uh, this is an interesting matchup. I got to be honest, Aljo, because... Listen, my my gut tells me Blahovich wins this fight. He's looked so good lately. The the legendary Polish power is real. He's got so much confidence right now. Like I think he's got all the markings of a guy who could be a very long reigning champion. 
But man, Glover's that guy. You can't count this guy out. Every time you think he's done, I mean, the guy's whatever, 43 years old, 42 years old, and you're thinking, this guy's not going to fight for a title again. I would argue, I think he's looked better now than he did going into the John Jones fight, which was like nine years ago. Yeah, I, I, I really don't even understand what has happened with him. Um, you would think that the shots that he's taking now, at his age now, compared to when he was younger, those shots that he was taking, that it would be putting him out, you know? But uh, obviously, Blokovic, Polish power, he's got to be careful with that because that guy connects and he's putting guys to sleep. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes one connection and doesn't give to share that chance to get that comeback win the way he had against Anthony Smith and some of those other guys on his way back up to a title shot, you know? So this is one of those fights where Glover has to be very calculated. And if he can get the fight down to the ground early, that's going to be in his best interest. Um, Blokovic isn't terrible on the ground, but I just think that there's, there's levels. And I think Teixeira is just clear-cut the better guy on the ground from the top and on the bottom where he can hit sweeps if he's on his back and get reversals or get back to his feet and cause some chaos over some of the guys like Kutalaba that he fought. Um, and even on top, he's a nightmare. He, he passes the guard. He lands some good ground and pound. He has good back control. He gets to mount, head and arm tri on triangle chokes. He's a technician, you know. I just hope that he knows what he needs to do, which is the game plan to me, path of least resistance. Let's get the fight to the ground. Figure out how to get that fight to the ground and uh, make it as as make make use make what would you call it? Um, make do with his last chance because this is probably his last shot. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think I think what Jan what Jan can do is he can't let Glover get out of a bad position. If he hurts him early, he's got to put him away. He cannot allow Glover to stick around, stay around in the third, fourth round because we saw what happened. Anthony Smith had him hurt early in that fight. He didn't put him away. Glover came back and then he just poured on the punishment and just you know really hurt Anthony for the rest of the fight. Same thing with Tiago Santos. Tiago had him tagged, had him hurt a little bit, couldn't put him away. Glover comes back and and puts the hurt on him and then. She gets him to the ground and beats him that way. Uh, Jan, if Jan gets him hurt early, and I think Jan can hurt anybody, if he hurts him early, he's got to put him away. He cannot let Glover escape because I think that's where Glover's confidence starts surging. You got to do the Anthony Johnson, man. You got to put him away, put him down and out. Don't let him stick around because I think if this fight makes it in to the fourth or even the fifth round, I think that's where Glover can take over. Oh, 100%. I think that's where he shines, man. He 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 gets he gets stronger as the fight goes on. And like you said, he just can't hurt him and then let him off the hook and let him stick around in the fight because that's what he does, man. Guys empty the gas tank. They get tired trying to get him out of there. He manages to survive somehow, some way. He finds the heart, the fighter spirit, sticks around, comes back, and he gets these he gets these guys out of there, you know. So that's just what he does. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the upset. You know, jujitsu wins fights, um, and just skill. You know, I think this is this is interesting because they're both, I think, roughly forty years old, forty plus. Um, so for these guys to be the oldest guys, I think, I think Blokovic might be thirty eight or something like that. But for both these guys to be at that age and fighting for a belt and winning the belt. That's pretty damn impressive, you know, uh, especially against all these hung, younger, hung, hung, younger, hung lions that are coming up and trying to make their name for themselves, like the Pashowskas and, and guys like that. You know, there's a lot of uh, a, a lot of young talent looking to come to take these guys' spot and kick out the old guy in with the new, you know. So both these guys, I think they got to really show everybody that who they are, what they're capable of to really keep everybody else kind of in check to let them know, like, yo, whoever steps in front of me, you're in for a fight. Yeah, I, I like Blahovich to win this fight. I, I just think he's on a roll right now. I think he's really got a lot of confidence. I think people were counting him out against Israel, and he showed that he is a true champion. I think that was such a huge win for him, for his confidence. And I think he's just on a roll right now. I think him and Prohaska is a really interesting fight because the way that Yuri just goes out there and just kind of goes balls to the wall, everything he throws is dangerous. And I think that's a really fun, really interesting matchup, especially if it stays on the feet. Uh, but I think right now, I think Blahovich is just too much. But listen, we can't lie. I'm sure it's the same for you, Alger. There's a small little part of us all that's kind of rooting for Glover. You know, see a guy 
guy like that, like a, a legend. To, I mean, come on, like I, this guy, like, you guys, it's just like, he's like the nicest guy in the world. He's, it's like Damian Maya. Like, there's a way you kind of root for Damian Maya. Like, you just want to see that guy find success. And there's a small part yeah. of everybody watching this fight. I think this gonna be thinking, man, I, I, I'd like to see Glover pull it off, but I gotta be honest, I think Blahovich wins this fight. I think he's just on such a roll right now. His power's real. His striking's on point. I think he's got that confidence now. And we saw him go five rounds without Asanya, which is a great performance. Uh, I think as long as he doesn't allow Teixeira to just come back on him, doesn't gas himself out early, I think Blahovich wins this fight. But like I said, there is a small part of me that would have a little bit of joy seeing Glover, you know, win win the title like 43. That that would be amazing. Um, it's a long shot, but <laughs> I mean, he's done the impossible before and when times get tough for him, somehow he gets tougher. Uh, I don't know who's going to win this one. Uh, I, I just feel, I feel like I feel like this is Glover's. I don't know. I just feel like Glover is going to try to. He's going to try to shock the world. Of course. I mean, he's not going out there to lose, right? Um, is it's a tall feat? Can he get Blokovich down on the ground? I don't know. It's not like he's a wrestler, but this is this is such a good fight. I I enjoy it. I think they, it might be flying under the radar because of all the stuff that was going on with the bantamweight division. But I think people are forgetting how good of a main event this actually is and how talented both these guys are. Um, so I'm looking forward to a good fight. If I had to bet, I would bet Blokovic. But again, I would not be surprised if Glover figures out a way to stick around and just latch onto an arm, latch onto a leg, and drag Blokovic down to the ground and somehow, somewhere, get on top and, and look for a submission and gets the win. Yeah, it's a great matchup, and it's a really fun one. It's kind of like those two guys you have a hard time. You can't root against either guy because Jan is an incredibly nice guy. He's put in his work, man. I mean, again, he's not been around as long as Glover, but you know, this is a guy who was, you know, on a losing streak in the UFC, talking about retirement. I mean, to see him come back and do what he's done has been amazing. And, of course, Glover's a legend, so this is a really fun main event. And you're right. I mean, listen, the bantamweight division, I feel like, is the best division in our sport right now. It's so good. It's so deep. Uh, and, and, you know, again, I can't – can't deny that you know Jan and Sandhagen it's a great fight I wish we could have seen you in there but in a weird way Aljo and I hope you don't take this the wrong way uh I'm actually glad you're not fighting because I want you to be healthy I want you to be 100% I want that neck to be 100% I want your body because I know you told me the problems you had what your neck actually did in terms of like the nerves and all the things it did to your body not being able to perform correctly in a weird way and I don't mean that as an insult I'm glad we're going to see you come back at 100% in let's say February or whatever it is and fight the winner of this fight because I didn't want to see you fight at 75% or 60% again so in a weird way I'm glad you're getting the time I think you should I think they should have not scheduled this fight to begin with I think it should have been in December or January but hey that's just me uh, but I'm glad you're you're going to let you know, you're, you're going to let the neck heal properly Properly, and then come back and be the the the, the assassin Aljamain Sterling that we know you can be. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited for that too, and uh, to to be able to compete at a high level the way I know I can. It's 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 been a blessing to be, to be back here and to to just be able to do this again. Uh, I'm super happy and I'm super thankful for the opportunity, and I just can't wait to get back out there and uh, actually feel good and and compete at, at my best. You know, so. 2022 is going to be a fun time. I look I forward really to it. that. I look forward to it. Aljamain, thank you so much for taking the time to break down the fight card with me today. I really appreciate it. Of course, you got your own podcast. I want to give you a chance to plug that away. You got your own podcast. You're always doing a million things. Uh, yeah. whether, 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 whether you're fighting or not, you always got a million things going on. So uh, tell people where they can find you, what else you got going on right now. Uh, the podcast is called The Weekly Scraps on all streaming platforms and on YouTube. Um other than that, doing a little real estate, fix it at my mom's house, uh, trying to make sure she's happy, you know, just trying to take care of the family as best as I can. Uh, next week's my fiance's birthday, so happy early birthday to her. And uh, I'll be back here in New York again, going to Vegas tonight. So, yeah, it's gonna, it's been a, I've been flying back and forth just to help corner my teammates. That's how, that's how much I love this. That's how much I'm dedicated to helping guys other than myself. And, uh, yeah. Just enjoying the ride. I know you guys, you guys always come back together. I saw on Instagram, Weidman was up there as well. Like, I know he lives down in South Carolina now, but you guys always come back together as a team, right? Yeah, yeah. Weidman, he had a guy from South Carolina um, that actually had a fight, his pro debut, who wrestled All-American kid, but he's actually from New York, you know? So the kid's never had a fist fight in his life. It's actually hilarious because we were talking about it in the back room. Um, stud wrestler. 
And uh, he's like, yeah, I didn't know what to expect because this is the first time he's ever <laughs> punched anybody in the face, you know? So, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, good time with everybody. Absolutely. Well, Alto, thank you so much for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Of course, uh, looking forward to you being back early next year, uh, fighting the winner of Peter Jan, Corey Sandhagen, defending your title. Uh, glad you're doing good. Glad the neck is healing. And uh, thank you so much for doing this today. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Damon. All right, talk to you soon. All right. Algernon Sterling, there you go, folks. Of course, uh, the legend himself, he'll be back early next year. We look forward to that. Uh, as always, want to say a big thank you to everyone tuning in to The Fighter versus The Writer. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon. Of course, you can find us over on MMAfighting.com. And want to say a big thank you once again to the UFC Bantamweight champion, Algernon Sterling, for joining me on the show today. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus The writer. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.